Welcome to the Tech Human Podcast. This is a podcast that looks at matters of technology, human life and faith. Today we're going to be looking at the impacts of COVID-19 on the experience of the church and the role technology has played in sustaining our faith communities. We find some extraordinary blessing through the use of digital tools through the various lockdowns, but not all her experience has been positive. In this conversation, we look back over the last 15 months to get a sense of what has been happening, what's worked well and what lessons we've learned. We look to a hybrid future where we will blend in-person and digital events and think about some of the opportunities and challenges they might present. As always, we're looking to try and find the lessons we can learn to live well in a digitally rich society. Thanks, Jonathan. It's good to be here. And um, of course, the very fact we're able to do this podcast sitting separately in our two uh, homes uh, miles apart um, is a tribute to the way the technology is, is, is working so amazingly well. What was your experience, um, particularly as regards church, as uh, once, the pan- once the pandemic hit and the, everyone was locked down? Yes, the church I attended, which is Emmaus Road in Guildford, we very quickly moved online. In fact, before lockdown hit, the church decided it wasn't going to meet again in, in person until things changed. And that next Sunday, our service was online. Um, we had the advantage that within our church, we, we have somebody who runs a business that does um, TV recording for reality TV and sports. And the church, I think, outsourced a lot of the technical work to that business and that that actually made for a very good experience pretty much all the way through through lockdown we're just coming out of that at the other end but a number so, of it's possible to be a bit cynical and say well you're obviously going to the right kind of church then don't you, with all these tech wizards it's not it's not something your average parish church could manage no um and i remember hearing the, the bishop of guildford bemoaning that that fact on on a, a prayer meeting call and that was one of the other things that that for us work has worked unbelievably well um is instantly uh the, the group that leads spiritual formation and prayer in the church called a daily 8am prayer meeting, not knowing how, it, how that was going to play out. And very, very quickly, we had a core group of 30, 40 people initially, which grew, at, I think, at its highest to about 75 people who were meeting pretty much every day at eight o'clock in the morning to pray for 45 minutes, um, not just about the church and people in the church but actually spending quite a lot of its time looking out and talking about praying for people in the mission field and other churches uh, and actually it's in there that the bishop of guildford came and, and and talked to us about some of the needs that he was seeing across the diocese um, and over time that spawned a lunchtime prayer meeting on some weekday lunch times and then an evening sort of reflective session and those have been very well attended and actually I think done a great deal to build community uh, in a lockdown disconnected world. It's really interesting how effective uh, th- those prayer sessions are, have been because we had exactly the same experience. I go to a big central London church, All Souls. Uh, initially, there was quite a lot of resistance to uh, holding a daily Zoom prayer meeting, but but once it was started, it, it rapidly became very well attended and so many people myself included found it such a a helpful and way an orientating way of starting the day and and there was a real sense of community yes i found outside of that prayer meeting where where people have perhaps expressed interest in in something that was going on 
we've reached out directly one-to-one through some other medium um, and been able to ask for prayers or share further information or, or support one another. So it has built a community that, that I don't think would have happened without the pandemic or, and without Zoom and, and daily prayer meetings. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you, th- if you sort of think back even 20, 30 years ago, the very concept of a Zoom prayer meeting uh, would have been utterly unthinkable. I mean, it was, you couldn't even describe it, could you, to, um, 30 years ago, of what, what was involved. I suppose this, the closest thing would be some kind of conference call, telephone conference call. But, but um, it, it is extraordinary how um, it's a, a completely new experience has turned out to be spiritually very significant. It has, it has, and and it's hard to to fathom how how this this came about, and and I, it's one of the the surprising blessings that has come through a terrible time and a a, a, a global um, problem that we've found uses for technology that have actually blessed many many people and changed many lives as a result um so very very grateful for that for for all selves what what else has has worked in terms of the the online experience well again i think we've been very privileged with um some very gifted people one of the fascinating things to me is that some people who seem quite shy and introverted when you meet them in person suddenly you discover a whole new uh, aspects of their personality once they are performing <laughs> in the safety of their homes yes. um, and uh, so we've had some really innovative and, and very much enjoyed um, youth um, videos that are part of the main service uh, the online service um, we've also got the benefit of professional musicians um, employed uh, by the church and that means they they went to enormous lengths uh, stitching together uh, musical offerings choir and even orchestra all kinds of things where people were playing in their own homes to with headphones on and then the whole thing was stitched together but um i again one thinks you know it's interesting isn't it it sort of divides the churches into the haves and the have-nots from a digital point of view to those who have access to extraordinary technical skill uh, and those who don't it does and and, and you know that there's a piece of it which is financial this gear this equipment these skills are quite expensive but that there, there's just the whole set of resources and, and the people willing and able to do to, to put the time in to make this happen uh, and you compare that with many small churches um, perhaps in rural areas they don't really have a chance to, to do this sort of stuff One of the interesting phenomenon which has been described is the way that when the lockdown started, some people found that their own local church was not doing very much. And and on the internet, they discovered other churches, sometimes many miles distant, um, and and, uh, developed a kind of online community. So I I think um, 
the one of the fascinating things is that you know if if you've established a kind of link in a church which is hundreds of miles away, uh, what happens as the lockdown comes to an end? You know, how do you how do you maintain that connection? Yeah, it's very hard. I mean, one of the things habits we developed was we would attend our own church online service in the morning, and then in the evening we would actually go to a morning service, attend a morning service uh, from the west coast in the U.S. Um, so we, we, we were, as I think quite a number of people, were spreading ourselves a little bit across two communities. I, for us, we've taken the view that says, well, that was a that was a moment in time we were able to enjoy the worship and the prayer and the teaching from that community. But we can't pretend that we belong to a, a community in Oregon when we live many thousands of miles away in a completely different time zone. It's been a, a, mo- a season of blessing for us, but it's time now to reinvest in in our home church and in our own community. Yes. So one of the very positive things, again, is is that many people who found it impossible to attend a physical service um, have have suddenly found they were able to take part fully in the online events. So sometimes people with illness, disability, uh, mothers with young children, uh, people who, for whatever reason, find uh, physical church very intimidating. Um, so d- to put it, you know, in a sort of consumerist way, the barriers to entry are very, very low, aren't they? And therefore, anybody can, they just have to click to come on. All you need is an internet connection. Um, but oh, that's a positive thing, isn't it? I mean, hasn't that been a, a very positive thing about this this period? I think it's been very interesting and certainly there was a lot of excitement from church leaders in the particularly the first maybe six months of uh, lockdowns and online services where they're seeing very large or much larger numbers of people attending their services or watching their services than would normally attend on a Sunday. And I, I think if it means that those who are housebound, those who find for whatever reason the church environment intimidating can connect and engage that has to be a good thing and and certainly groups representing disabled people have expressed how, uh, you know a, a sense of, of gratitude that this is this has happened because it's made it possible for them to to participate but it does beg the question what happens now uh w- with those sorts of things it, it certainly does and, and i think um the the question is the level of commitment isn't it that that um and and i think i am well aware of the fact that um it's so easy with a a service which is particularly once it's put up on youtube that you can decide well now now is not the best time you know and i'm quite busy but i i could fit in looking on on tuesday afternoon or or whenever and um, so, so this idea of time shifting, of fitting it in with everything else, um, it really changes the nature of what a worship service ought to be and, and turns it into a much more consumerist um, activity, doesn't it? It does. And with that comes a lot of other consumerist um, trappings. So... You know, do I like the worship group at this church or actually do I prefer the worship from that other church or do I like this preacher better than that preacher who's perhaps you know one of the the mega church preachers who's who's charismatic and 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 has great power and energy compared to my perhaps less assuming um and less experienced 
pastor. So th- this kind of pick and mix thing comes at very little commitment uh, to a community around you. And so I think that, you know, the challenge will be as, as we move into this strange new era, um, particularly perhaps for smaller churches, do you think? I mean, who is going to struggle most as we, as we get into this new era? I suspect that the tiniest churches who live and breathe in committed community may be able to return to the committed community, probably because they've maintained some level of contact, albeit distant, through the lockdowns. I think the big churches have the resources to make the switch um, to to a, what I think will be hybrid church existence, so some level of online presence combined with in-person. Um just picking on that, we've found some challenges as a quite big church m- taking responsibility for our own online streaming from a, a professional company that we've struggled to make that work all the time. Um, and I think there's a bit of a learning curve there. So even well-resourced churches may encounter some challenges in, in getting used to doing this stuff. But I think the, the ones that are probably most at risk are the ones in the middle who aren't particularly well endowed with with uh, money aren't particularly well endowed with with people with professional skills that, that are relevant and are perhaps struggling to deal with the complexities of a world that blends in person and digital existence yes I I think I think you're right and um, and, and perhaps you know there will be a significant I think uh, I suspect quite a lot of churches of, of those in that intermediate group uh, will will have to go through a kind of um, a leveling of, of, of um, and some and some undoubtedly will will close and, and I think the real challenge is about the younger people isn't it and perhaps we could come on to to think about that um, uh, what's been your experience as, as, as a father of of younger children for my two who are 11 and 13 the provision that they found through lockdown has largely worked well for them the youth pastor at our church has put a lot of energy into it they've engaged them Um, they've been able to take particularly the older one take some responsibility to help moderate some of the technology to moderate the chat so they felt quite engaged with that they have missed the in-person getting together. Um, yeah, in an article I read recently, I think there was a phrase, yeah, they, they've missed the pizza and PlayStation <laughs> sessions where they can hang out with their, their friends and, and do this sort of stuff. But I think my kids have been quite blessed by what's happened. I've heard of many, many other children who found, who you know, with schooling being entirely online, they, they've just had one Zoom call too many. And they really don't want to engage that way. And I know of many who, at least through lockdown, have turned off completely from the online church. And so now we're at a place where they're having to reconnect. And that carries some some risk, I think. Yes, I, I, I think it does too. And I, and I think, you know, we, we were just reflecting on the fact that um, the kind of exciting, stimulating stuff that... Um, teenagers have access to on a smartphone um, or with online gaming and all the rest uh, social media and so on um, 
that then to have something else coming on my smartphone and this is religion this is christianity um but frankly it's just more boring and much less engaging much less interesting yes. stimulating fun than everything else i've got on my smartphone so uh why would i want to spend time on this boring stuff i think the danger through the the that online existence is to try and be as as vibrant and loud and immersive as Fortnite or um, attention grabbing and energetic as TikTok, um, and I'm not sure that the church is called to try and compete with those expressions of culture. And yet, if they can't reach the generation that is living and, and breathing in that world, there's a problem. There is, and um, I think, as you say, I think it's probably a mistake for the church to try and compete. And instead, it must be about relationships, about real physical face-to-face uh, -face incarnational relationships. And however countercultural and, and difficult that is, you know, the, the theory ought to be that, that Christianity is the one place which is really incarnational, where, where you meet people face to face, where you interact, where you do the kind of things, you share meals, you, you share worship experiences, um, and, it's, and it's resolutely physical and face to face. That is one of the threads that youth leaders in particular are going to have to wrestle with. Um, I think it's always been a challenge for youth leaders to try and work out how they sustain something that, that feels culturally relevant but doesn't get subsumed into the, the culture of the time but somehow is engaging. And, and I think we have some particular challenges as the culture has moved largely online and has replaced something that is called friendship or friending but is actually a, a, a transactional digital connection. Um, and I think the church, one of the things that, that the church has to do is to keep a sharp focus on, on, as you say, incarnational human, human to human connections and relationships and find ways for those that are housebound and, and, and struggle to get out to be connected so that you know, we, we overcome those things. I think another challenge that, that the lockdown perhaps has begun to expose is at least for some youth work the focus has shifted on to attendance and events and perhaps has not got as sharp a focus as it needs to have on discipleship our experience has been that there's been some some good effort made um around discipling children and, and particularly challenging them around some some topical themes so the, the the church created a podcast for youth which has had some particularly good content on it had we done it again and known it was coming i think we would have perhaps invested more time in working with parents to to get a clearer shared responsibility around discipling our children and connecting the content that that, that was going on in the youth world to complement what's happening at home uh, i think that's been one of the challenges that that perhaps has been a little bit there for us yes i i i can see that and and certainly you know, I was brought up in a, a very rigorous fundamentalist Christian home, but one of the excellent things about it was that uh, 
they believed in aunties and uncles. And so from the time I was a young child, I was aware of the fact that there was, that there was this whole community of people who I called auntie and uncle uh, who were um, interested, uh, prepared to spend time, who, you know, we, we did things together. Um, and I, I think particularly, you know, for adolescence, you know, when you're 15, somebody who's 21 is like a god. And if you can only ensure that those kind of healthy friendships and relationships um, so that they get good role models, um, it seems to me that that is an essential part of, 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 Christian, of growing up as a, as a Christian. One of the, the, the prayers that we pray most often for our children is that they will find good role models who they can look up to and learn from. It's something that the church, our church communities need to invest time and energy in, in encouraging young people in particular and, and young adults to to live in that way and be able to operate in that space and supporting them in it. Um, because I do think that's probably one of the most transformative things as, as children shift their focus from their parents and their family into the outside world, finding people they can look up to uh, who are living well and following Jesus is, is hugely valuable. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. But, you know, what this conversation is making me think is that I've got to believe that the, that meeting up physically with this person, going for a walk, having a cup of coffee, whatever it is, even though it's much more problematic and much more demanding and much more costly than just making contact by WhatsApp or whatever, actually, I've got to believe that the physical interaction is worth it um, and, and, um, and just pay the price. Um, and, and that this is something that as Christians, we so believe in physical interaction and the importance of it that, you know, we, we're prepared to pay the price, however, uh, inconvenient or inefficient it seems. That, I think, brings me to to another theme that has been quite important through lockdown. And and, and you mentioned earlier that there was attending these online events has quite a low cost. You can be anonymous. You can, if it's a Zoom meeting, you could have your camera off. You could just watch um, with with very little um, obligation. We certainly saw um, in things like Alpha that we were getting incredibly high numbers of people signing up for Alpha courses and actually attending. Um, they were not geographically adjacent to us. They were from all over the world. But there was a real interest and, and this opportunity to connect somewhat anonymously um, to try out what the, these, these strange Christians were, were on about seemed to be quite an attractive proposition for some people. And is that something you found at, at All Souls as well? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think, it's, again, it's one of the positive things. I mean, the figures of the, the percentage of the population who've accessed an online service uh, during the pandemic is absolutely astonishing. I mean, one survey I saw over 40% of a, a younger age group had access to service. So um, there clearly is a vast amount of interest um, 
out there. And, and it, it's interesting, isn't it, that at the one and the same time, Christianity is so often derided as being outdated, homophobic, racist, patriarchal, all those kind of things. And yet there is clearly um, a remarkable level of interest um, and even openness uh, at a time of national emergency. Yes, you build on that and, and you look at something that caught the public imagination um as part of a global wave, really, but quite early on in that wave, Tim Hughes mobilised churches all around the country to record the the blessing, the song that Carrie Job and, and others had had put together, and and millions of people watched that, um, and it somehow captured uh, a sense of the spirit of the time, and, and those who perhaps never darkened a church door still found something in those words, which were all taken from scripture. It did somehow catch imagination, and we've seen over and over again through history, at least modern history, that at times of national crisis, people will at least consider looking to to, to God for help. But this real challenge, isn't it, is is that that is a exceptionally low commitment, you know, to just to click on yes, I'm interested. Okay, next, please. Um, the the level of commitment that is required physically to get involved uh, with the church community is is so much higher and again I can't help thinking that it there's go, needs to be some real creativity in this phase of, of thinking outside the box creating new models um, maybe for hybrid events maybe for um, friendship uh, how 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 can we encourage uh, friendships? And um, I, I I think now is a time for 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 creativity and uh, and the, and the challenges is the Christian community going to be up to it? You're quite right, and I think there's a second layer of challenge within the Christian community, which is is in this experimentation we are going to at least ask some questions that have some theological consequences you know is it can you baptize somebody over zoom is that is that sacramental act is is it valid done remotely and i i think we have to be willing to explore some of these things and perhaps challenge some ideas that have historically been held very strongly in order to try and find the way forward and i'm not suggesting that we should turn our back on on what scripture says quite the reverse i think we we need to look at that and listen to it to and to think about what, what what's being said but i think we need to be willing to experiment and just because we haven't done things before doesn't mean we couldn't do them now it just means we need to think carefully and thoughtfully about what we do and, and look at the impact of this and make sure that in, in all of this we are building people building disciples who are followers of jesus the, the jesus of, of scripture not followers of, of modern culture which I think is a danger if if we go too far in, into this space. Yes, that's right. And, and certainly I'm struck by the fact that um, orthodox Trinitarian biblical Christianity has always put an enormous emphasis on the physical body. Uh, it, it's always said that, um, you know, it, it mattered that Jesus was actually 
incarnate, physically incarnate, that he was physical, touchable. And, um, and it mattered that at the resurrection, that the grave was empty, that in some extraordinary way, Jesus' resurrection body was physical, was some kind of physics 2.0. And I think that, you know, that has a new relevance when we're in this new digital world of, of ones and zeros. Um, because it, the idea that you can live a life uh, entirely digitally, um, it, it, it isn't possible. It, and, and, and in particular, it's the Christian faith that 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 has a, a robust understanding of why physical physicality and, and meeting face to face why it's important. To me, the consequence of that is that we have to look for hybrid expressions if we're going to involve digital technology in, in our faith journey not that that outside of exceptional circumstances a wholly digital expression of our faith doesn't really chime with with scripture uh, i'm sure we can you know, people can find except exceptional arguments to try and justify that certain things are or aren't valid but at the heart of the gospel as you said we have an incarnate jesus who lived a perfect life and and had relationship with people and and walked among them and healed them and and that is the life that we are as his followers called to it's not a, a some kind of tiktok existence or instagram image fest no it's, it certainly isn't and actually you know i find myself really conflicted on this because if you follow that thinking to its logical conclusion you would say that that in this digitally mad world the church when the church meets together it should be the one place which is a completely safe place from the digital it is entirely physical entirely face to face you know we don't even use smartphones we don't we we don't use the wi-fi it is entirely um you know it's almost a witness by by being a safe place from the digital world meeting together as Christians is almost a witness against that. And yet at the same time, we have this pressure to be hybrid and all those people who can't be there and, and all the rest. And I find myself deeply conflicted between those two visions of, of, of how Christianity is going to flourish in the future. Yes. And maybe that that's partly the nature of this, of the fallen world we live in, that the perfect expression that it, of embodied connection is not yet available to us although we should be striving towards it and seeking the kingdom but where this technology can help us uh, reach those who otherwise couldn't be part of this this uh, of our communities where it can help us have people begin to listen to who jesus is who would otherwise not hear those messages where it can keep us connected when we're locked down then it has value but the danger I, for me comes when it, that digital expression becomes an end in itself and becomes uh, superior to that embodied, messy, difficult human thing, which is where 
I think too were called were, were, were called to live. Yes, I I, I mean I, I agree, and, and there is there is something about that the, the digital is important, but it's second best. It um, and, and we mustn't let it uh, overwhelm. But you know. The thing about the physical is that the physical is always messy. It's always resistant. It's always, it pushes back. It's not frictionless. It's not easy. It's not effortless. But th but that's actually a very important part of it. As, as, as embodied human beings, we need friction. We need resistance. We need struggle uh, in order to grow and to develop. And there's a great threat about this effortless easy frictionless digital world that's not a world in which human beings can flourish actually at the heart of, of the technology world that is driving this digital revolution the value of trying to establish frictionless interaction is is a high priority for people building the, these digital solutions and i do think it's at odds with the values of this uh, of us who follow jesus who put great store on on human relationships which involve friction and actually we think that you need that friction to build strength and and to make us fit um, whereas frictionless living will encourage a, a certain level of, of weakness and, and, and perhaps lack of stability that, that I think, it, as James said, we, we risk being blown from one idea to, to the next. When you see that in online living and, and, and some of the, the messages from media that, that, that are flying around. So I, I think there's some real cultural tensions that Christians and the church need to, to get very clear in their minds as they move forward perhaps step by step in a world that is still predominantly embodied but where it's helpful can use digital technology to amplify that and to reach those who perhaps otherwise would struggle to to engage that's all for this episode thanks so much for joining us there's a growing set of resources addressing the issues associated with post-lockdown church. Two particularly helpful and accessible articles are found on the Premier Christianity magazine website in the UK. First is entitled 12 Months That Changed the Church, and that's written by Tim Wyatt, published on 21st of February 2021. And then Emma Fowle published an article on 25th of May called The Church is Losing an Entire Generation. Here's what you can do about it. Barna Group, a US-based but internationally sensitive research organisation, have published some interesting articles, including an interview with Tim Keller as part of their Church Pulse Weekly Conversation podcast series. That was published on March 29, 2021. There are some other papers and books that they've published and are available on their website. Peter Phillips has been very active in this area and has run a number of workshops under the Premier Digital banner. He's also published a Grove book as part of the Mission and Evangelism series called Hybrid Church, Blending Online and Offline Community. We'll publish a resource list addressing some of the issues associated with Hybrid Church on our website, www.techhuman.org. 
You'll also find other articles, short and long, and a growing range of book reviews. If you have any subjects you'd like us to look at, please let me know at jonathan at techhuman.org. We'd love to hear from you.